0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the NBA Front Office Show. We are here Survived a hurricane, Keith did not, not Hurricane Harden. That one, that one's still out there brewing. But Keith made it through the hurricane. I made it through a little bit of travel. And here we are back for some NBA front office show. And that's there's a sound. What is that? What that it's familiar? Oh, is that it? Couldn't be is the Simmons siren. It is the Simmons siren. What is going on? We haven't heard the Simmons siren in ages. Keith, what is happening now with Ben Simmons?
2: Honestly, really not that much. <laughs> um <laughs> he's saying the same stuff he said for what, 2, 3 seasons now. Um but yeah, he had a really good uh interview with Mark Spears. They 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 got into really some deep stuff. I think he's doing something I, I'm gonna butcher what like the series is called but it's basically like he sits down and talks with players over like to, like some glasses of wine and they hang out he did one with uh, Terrence Mann of the Clippers uh, already he's now done one with uh, Ben Simmons and one of the things that that they talked about was uh, probably the one of the headline stories out of it I guess because there are a few uh, one was Ben Simmons holds nothing against the Sixers and would be open to going back there at some point, but then kind of couch that with he's very happy in Brooklyn and okay. wants to play for the Nets and and all that sort of stuff. And then everything else was kind of him saying all the things you want to hear. But, you know, at this point, personal opinion is cool. I don't want to hear it anymore, though. Like I need to see it and I need to see it for more than you know, a week or two at a time. I need to see it like permanently. And, and I hope he gets there. I hope that's where it goes. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for, for now, we're we're just kind of back in the old uh, Simmons Siren bandwagon.
1: Yeah. I mean, he, he used words like dominate talking about how he's going to be a completely different player than last year. There is some footage going around of him in, in workouts and he's shooting threes and all that. But we've done this. We've done this <laughs> so many years now this is this is it everybody this is the year ben simmons is gonna finally start shooting threes it's gonna happen look he made them in that pickup run oh i don't know well believe it when i see it but it was interesting that he's open to a return to the 76ers i wonder how much of that is just to kind of smooth it over with 76ers fans and would 76ers fans even be interested in a ben simmons return probably not right
2: yeah i I imagine you know, at this point, no, not with all the kind of parties that are involved there. Yeah. If it's five, six years down the line and most everybody else has turned over sure, maybe then they'd be open to, to the idea of it. You know, we've seen this in the NBA guys leave a situation and it's like, well, that's done. That'll never kind of regroup there. And, and then it happens and sometimes guys end up back in a place and it's perfectly fine. But for now, yeah, there's no way. I mean, and again, he was very clear, you know, he's, he's super excited to play for the Nats. He likes what they did over the course of the last year, as far as remaking the team and he's excited to be a part of it and all that sort of stuff. One thing I did find interesting was he did reaffirm in the article. He's a point guard. And he was like, I'm a point guard. I'm not going to play center. I'm not going to play other positions. I am a point guard. So I thought that was kind of interesting as well because all the talk has always been is, you know, is a team better off playing him as a small ball five or at the four or whatever. And he said, no, I am a point guard.
1: Yeah, that that is interesting because there's questions about how feasible that is in in today's NBA for Ben Simmons to be a point guard. Like you have to build a pretty specific team around him if he's a non-shooter to have him as your point guard. And it's a pretty unique thing in today's end. I mean, he's a pretty unique player, but still, if he's not going to be able to shoot from, from outside, trying to structure a team appropriately around Ben Simmons as the primary ball handler is not easy. And that's what we've seen teams try to do over the years. I don't know. I mean, at one point, he was a, a an all-defensive player. He was one of the best young players in the NBA. I hope he gets back to that. But I think just to bring this full circle here, We got to reserve any kind of of celebration here or excitement and just believe it when we see it.
2: Yeah, 100%. It's interesting. So I pulled up their roster and kind of how things are shaking out to see, you know, could he be the Nets point guard this year? And Mm -hmm. it's, it's him or Spencer Dinwiddie right now. They've got Dennis Smith Jr. in the fold as well, but those are kind of the primary ball handlers so yeah you could definitely see a world world where simmons is a starting point guard because i like spencer Dinwiddie and i think he's a good player but i think uh, simmons could definitely beat him out but then the challenge comes in all right cam johnson he's a pretty elite shooter mikhail bridges Good shooter. Dorian Finney-Smith, good shooter. Nick Claxton, complete non-shooter, right? He's only going to finish mm-hmm. stuff around the rim. So now you're playing two non-shooters in the starting five that can, can get a little messy spacing-wise. So I'm just curious to see you know, how this all comes together and what it looks like with Simmons uh, over the course of the year. But th- like you said, let's actually see it and get on the court first, and then we can kind of go from there.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And hopefully he does, again, get back to – his old self. Um, All right. Just a bizarre story. Referee Eric Lewis resigns. This was after way back in, I want to say it was back in May. Yeah, uh, it was in the middle of the playoffs. Yeah. There were, uh, it was uncovered that there was a May. We don't even know if it was him. He said it was a a family member, but a burner account on Twitter now known as, as X that was defending him and other referees and, and things of that nature. And it was, it was linked to him and it got, Kind of messy, and of course, this is the same ref who had a bunch of stuff from social media revealing that his family is all full of Celtics fans, and they're, and then he's refing like Lakers Celtics games, which was, you know, raises some eyebrows there certainly. Um, and and now uh, the NBA, as they were investigating, uh, abruptly, or at least from our perspective, abruptly, he has resigned, and the NBA issued a statement saying that the investigate, but because he's resigned, that concludes the investigation. Keith, that didn't do anything to make anybody feel any better. This, A lot of people are going to see this all, almost as like an, an admission of guilt that he resigns over this, and then the NBA just kind of swiftly wraps up the investigation.
2: Yeah, 100%, because this sounds like a, hey, if you just quit and walk away, we'll end the investigation rather dragging you through the mud. Mm-hmm. And doing that and now eric lewis has done that and he'll move on to whatever is you know next presumably you know in his life and career and with without all of this scandal kind of hanging over him the the challenge i think is especially when it relates to y'all you know, his family celtics fans well everybody presumably who refs or plays or coaches or has something to do with the nba enjoys the game of basketball sure probably grew up an nba fan of some sort very likely their family was a fan of some sort. Like I I never get worked up over that stuff. Like it, it always happens. Some guy gets drafted. Then it's like, like Paul Pierce is a very famous example. He was drafted by the Celtics and was a Lakers fan. And people at the time, I remember Celtics fans being like, how could they draft a Lakers fan? You know, well, what are we mm-hmm. doing here? And it's like, well, I mean, yeah, shocker, you grew up in LA, unless you're, you're cutting out, you know, everybody who grew up in, in the, you know, California area and saying, we're never going to draft one of them, which would be stupid because now you're eliminating guys for dumb reasons. People are going to be fans of teams. You know, I, dude, yeah. I'll use another Celtics example, you know, Brad Stevens, it was like, you know, came in and it was like, he wasn't a Celtics fan. You know, when he came in, well, yeah, no kidding. He grew up in Indiana, you know, and he he openly kind of said he wasn't really a huge NBA fan to begin with. He kind of liked the game, but he was more of a college guy. But I, so that part, I don't get worked up about, but the whole going on and defending yourself and all that stuff and everything. Yeah. That's probably not great. Right. Like that's probably not a, not a thing you really want to, you know, you know, Get involved with you. Gotta just kind of let that stuff go. It's you know, if we're gonna clown all the players when they do that stuff with burner accounts, we certainly you know are not gonna let it slide when it's an official.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And and officials are, are gonna be held to a high standard and they and they should be. And um, yeah, th- that kind of thing, it gets messy. And obviously, this is not gonna do anything to um to pacify anybody with this situation because. Again, it seems like obviously so the investigation must have turned up something, um, otherwise this wouldn't be happening, right? If you if there was nothing yeah. going on, if everything was on the up and up, and he had no idea this account even existed or something, and it was a family member doing it, and he is totally shocked, this wouldn't be happening. This would yep. be there would be he would be you know more clearing his name than anything else. And instead, that's not what's happening here. Um, as far as the the whole fandom thing, yeah, look, it is unreasonable to try to search for, and I don't know if you want to do this to try to search for an official that is not a fan of an yeah. NBA team you know it, hey let's find somebody who is this isn't a jury this is not jury selection here right? Um, right if you search for somebody who is not an NBA fan well how familiar are they really with the game so there's right. that's the, that in and of itself is
2: problematic.
1: Um, well, and it's a-
2: just not reasonable to think, hey, every official grew up in rural Wyoming, You're right? Without an allegiance to a team in a town of a thousand <laughs> people, you know. And now, you know, it's like, you know, what, what are you going to do? Pharma mall in some sure. like siloed town, and you know, they, they never have any exposure to it. Like, it's like Celtics fans went bananas last year when they found out, I think it's the global brothers, like grew up and live still live in Miami. Mm-hmm. They're like, how are they allowed to referee heat games? Well, Because they're referees Like what like I I don't know I mean And I get it it's hard because of the whole Tim Donaghy stuff and he You know basically called out that There's all kinds of shenanigans and You know we all kind of you know depending on which side of the, the uh, you know, rooting interest you're on chuckle when it's uh Tony brothers or Scott Foster gets yep. assigned a big playoff game. Or uh, if you're on the other side of the rooting interest, you get angry and you're like, Oh God, I got to deal with the, this.
1: The series extender. Yep. Yeah.
2: So, I mean, it just kind of is what it is. You know, I, I think, I do think just like there are players who aren't so great. There's referees who aren't so great either, but I don't, generally think that there are grand conspiracy theories because the other thing is if i if i start to believe that I might as well pack all this up and just watch wwe mm-hmm. Then just call it good and nothing against wwe i i used to love it back in the day um you know but like if, if that's where you want to live just then watch that instead if you think all this is rigged and fixed and everything else
1: well, I mean, rigged and fixed tends to be what you go to when the result doesn't go your way. Yeah, right. That's right. that's that's part of the whole process here. But but I'll say this coming from a, a history background, like bias is going to be naturally you know, inherent in a lot of things. Uh, for example, like I used to teach the Boston Massacre. If you look at one of the soldiers accounts of what happened in the Boston Massacre compared to one of the the mobs accounts, rioters, patriots, whatever term you want to use for them it's going to come across very, very different, even though they're both describing the exact same event because of the bias that comes into play, their perspective. That's what we're, that's what we're looking at here. And so I think that you would have to go back and look at every referee and see <laughs> what their background is, what team they grew up rooting for, and then go back and look at every game they called and see, does, does Team X get more calls or get more favorable calls? Even more calls doesn't necessarily mean something yeah. wrong is going on if one team just fouls more. That happens too. Um, if it, You'd have to go back and look at every single game. Now, I, I will say that bias, though, is something that, while it's going to be there, even it can be unconscious, it doesn't mean it's something that can be just completely dismissed either. And I do wonder if, as difficult as it would be, If there was some way for the NBA to look at it and say, hey, we know that this ref grew up as a fan of these teams. We don't want unconscious bias to come into play. Let's try and route this referee towards these other teams. Again, very difficult in the mix of the NBA schedule, but there's also an element to this where we we all as human beings can put ourselves in that situation. Keith, I know. I know. If you had me referee a Lakers-Celtics game, even if I went in with every intention of being as unbiased as possible, The chances of getting a fairly called game are very, very slim. And I think we can all relate to to that feeling. And so that's where you wonder if if there's anything that needs to be done on that front. But again, you would have to actually go back into the data and be able to prove that referees growing up as fans of a particular team resulted in calls going for that team.
2: Yeah, so two thoughts on that. Because the other thing is, or it goes completely so far the other way, where it's like, I'm going to prove that I am not biased True. that you completely get it's it's kind of like like the the old you know theory of when you are the coach and your kid is on your team, uh-huh. you're tougher on your kid because you're trying to show like, hey, no favoritism here. Um, the other piece of it too that I look at, because I've seen people say is well, why don't they find out, you know, referee X grew up a fan of whatever team, and when they become an NBA referee, they just don't get assigned to those games. Number one, there's already not enough good referees. Sure. If you start doing things like that, you're going to make it even harder to do this. And, and as much as we have all kind of championed the NBA's efforts with the schedule for the players to eliminate back-to-backs, reduce travel, all the things that they've done, the referee schedules, are they're, they're absolutely insane. They, you know, because if you turn on like we do, you and I watch a Mm -hmm. ton of league pass and a ton of games, you'll catch sometimes, you know, referee was working a game in LA one night, a game in Denver the next, a game in Dallas the next, a game in Memphis the next, and then Mm -hmm. a game in Boston the day after that. And it's like, you know, you would never expect a player to do that. And that's where there are a lot of problems with NBA officiating. I get it because I am critical of it too. And part of it comes with you got to get more and better referees and then once you can do that you can start to fix a lot of these other things Mm -hmm. but until you have a pool of let's say a hundred or more referees that you feel good about putting into nba games you're you're not going to be able to solve a lot of these issues
1: yeah yeah and that's that's a challenge too is the is the talent pool for officiating i mean heck we've we saw it in fiba right when in the exhibition game when the u.s went and played spain in spain oh boy that was some creative officiating there right like this isn't just a you know an NBA thing and finding officials um is not an easy thing to do
2: yeah and FIBA officiating along with uh college officiating just watch it for you know a half and you're reminded of all right the NBA guys are the best at what they do much like the players they're the best at uh at that, I I, I guess we, we we could even venture to say they're the world champions. The world of, champions of The
1: world cha- oh boy, <laughs> we just need something to argue about at this. point. Like, oh my gosh! Like first it was like it. W- I don't even remember which one was first, but it was Magic versus Curry, yep. and that and and now it's world champion. Are you allowed to call somebody the world champion or not? Like I don't know what we're going to argue about next. We're going to go back to. You remember years ago when there was the arguments over what color that dress was that was going around? Yeah, on, the blue on social- and black. Uh, yeah, right. And-
2: whatever. Yeah.
1: That's all we need. That's so we need. on
2: that world champion thing, here's the only thing I have to say about this in no disrespect. I believe his name is Noah Lyles who said uh-huh. this, no disrespect meant to him and his abilities because I'm just not up on us track and field sure. um, or world's track and field. You know, I, every four years I fly in and watch it, you know, and love it. And then when the Olympics are over, I don't care about it till four years later. But my thing is now I know his name. So I guess he accomplished what he was seeking to accomplish because everybody's talked about him for like three days now. And, you know, there, so, you know, if that was his end goal, then, you know, good, good for him because now everybody kind of knows his name. But yeah, I mean, until we get to a point where it's like, you know, remember back when we were kids, you would have, they, they, I think it was the McDonald's series. They called it, where it was the NBA champion would go to Europe and would play and then the next year the European uh you know Euroleague champ would come to the US and preseason and they'd play like a series of preseason games against each other and now this was in the 80s so the u.s the nba team just stomped them yeah. every single time because the, the talent difference was so wide um with that and then they just kind of stopped doing it all together um that's really kind of i guess the only way you do this but then is you know is the chinese basketball association gonna say hey we want our champ in there and mm-hmm. and new zealand and you know one It'd be cool if they wanted to figure out a way to do that. The problem is, a bunch of guys are going to say, "No, I just on all sides." You make no, I just finished a long season. The yeah. Last thing I want to do is go play, you know, three more games to you know prove something that I don't feel like needs proven. And right. that that's your challenge there. You know, so you're never going to have a world champion of any of this
1: stuff. Yeah, that's the that's the issue, and I get the argument too. Like the NBA is the top league in the world by a lot, so the champion of the NBA therefore is the world champion. It argues makes sense i don't see another team beating (laughs) like is there a team in europe that's beating the nuggets no yeah that's not that's not happening so i understand that side there. maybe if that changes someday um can revisit all that but yeah all right let's uh let's get into well we had some moves that took place here the mavs uh we talked all about this already so we don't need to delve in depth here but the mavs have waived uh javel mcgee we knew it was coming they were going to do it by the end of the month and they have indeed waived him, and Javale will clear waivers. Nobody's going to pick up that contract for the next two years, so he'll clear waivers. The Sacramento Kings are already a team that's interested in bringing him on.
2: Yeah, I don't really understand that from the Kings' side. They've got a bunch of other bigs behind Demontis Sabonis, but you know, my guess is he's got a familiarity with Mike Brown. Mike Brown would love to maybe bring him in as another veteran. But you know, Alex Len was doing well for them at the end of the year as their kind of backup center uh, behind Sabonis. Trey Lyles can also play the five. Uh, I'm i I'm fine with the Kings rotation as it is. And to be clear, too, the Mavs, not only did they wave, but they did stretch uh, JaVale McGee. And a bunch of people said, hey, it didn't say that in the press release it's not going to that, that, yeah. that'll never that be a thing the waiver is the official transaction so so that's done but yeah so a little about you know two two plus million on the books for each of the next five years for uh for Dallas so you know kind of is what it is on on that front but yeah so it's uh you know what a you know, we already talked about it but complete indictment of you know failure of assigning that mm-hmm. that was for for the Mavericks
1: yep and welcome to Dallas marquise Morris or- Yeah back i guess but yeah um, Marquise morris will be be joining the mavs if all goes according to plan here uh speaking of centers Jonas valenciunas wants an extension with the pelicans this is kind of reiterating something that we heard earlier in the offseason um not a surprise that he would want an extension should the pelicans want to extend
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed
3: Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.
2: Yeah, that's the tricky part. It would have to be at the exact right number that feels really good because this is a team that is really starting to carry a lot of salary on their books. As it stands right now at this moment, they're about two point nine million into the tax. Now they won't finish there. They'll make some form of move to shed some salary and to get under. Whether that's you know trading Kyra Lewis or uh, doing you know some other move that they'll get out of out of the tax. But you know if we go into next season, meaning $24, 24-25, they would have at that point you'd have Brandon Ingram on the books at thirty six million, uh, CJ McCollum on the books at thirty three point three million. Herb Jones at 12.9 million, Larry Nance final year of his contract at 11.2, and then remember Zion will be in year two of his extension at 36.7 million. Mm-hmm. So if you you know throw just throw Valanchunas, look, well, let's say he's making 15.4. So let's just say he said, hey, 15 million works. I'm happy here and I want to be here. Um, that would put them at maybe in the tax just for whatever those few mm-hmm. guys that I just, you know, and that's, off,
1: at. and that's not including Dyson Daniels. That's not including Jordan Hawkins. That's, you know, Kira Lewis. Yeah. Goodbye. That's not including Trey Murphy, Jose Alvarado, yeah. right. EJ Liddell. Right. So you've got, you've got some guys there that you'd still yeah. want to bring back to, and you're already into the tax. So that could become pretty challenging. Maybe there's a bit of a squeeze here uh, for the Pelicans with Valanciunas, but I don't know where else they, they turn to, um, and I think he's a decent fit next to Zion in terms of just being a big physical kind of protector to take some of the physicality of the game off of sure. Zion. But uh, kind of yeah, like we saw step with Steven Adams, and shoot
2: it a little bit. So. Yeah, sure he yeah, can. He's he been can occasionally more knock of, of three. that over the last couple of years. Yeah, but
1: at 31 years old, it makes sense that he would want a long-term extension. I just like you said, the cap situation makes it a big question mark in terms of whether or not they actually get this deal done.
2: Yeah, Valanchunas is also very durable, too. He generally plays, you know, 70-plus games in a season, so you you can feel good if you do sign him that he'll be there, which is obviously a concern for this uh, Pelicans team with uh, basically everybody else but Herb Jones has been kind of – well, I guess CJ McCollum's pretty durable, too, Mm -hmm. but of their top guys um, has had injury issues, so that becomes a little bit of an issue as well. I think, you know, my thing is, I wonder if what's going to give eventually here is Brandon Ingram. I wonder if they're oh. becoming something where, you know, because they want to give more minutes to Trey Murphy and they want to play him more. And ideally, right, you're hoping Zion is going to be there and fully healthy and ready to go. And if he is, then you know that that starts to make a crowded front court very crowded, um, all of a sudden. And I know Ingram can Ingram can slide down and play the two and has done that quite a bit. But you know now then are going to be able to put enough defense on the floor if you do that you know where are you going to be so so i do kind of wonder if that's where that goes um i found his comments with team usa um we didn't have this on the list but his whole you know his role has mm-hmm. left him frustrated yeah and, and i one i'm not going to criticize brandon ingram because i thought he was extremely candid very honest in what he said where he's like hey i'm used to having the ball a lot and on this team I don't have the ball a lot and I have to find other ways to be productive and get myself going other than, you know, handling the ball and creating my own looks and all those things. Well, now you're going into let's all fingers crossed a year where the Pelicans, everybody healthy. He's not going to be just throw him the ball and let him create everything. Cause got Zion you've got CJ McCollum you've got um Troy or Trey Murphy rather um who needs more touches you've got you're gonna get the ball into Valanchunas at least some uh with that so it it is it's gonna be interesting to watch how you know his uh, his role evolves there in in New Orleans and that's not to say Brandon Ingram's not a good player because I think he is a good player it's just gonna be curious to watch that all play out
1: yeah yeah that's and obviously he's extension eligible as well So C.J. McCollum, the Pelicans have some decisions to make here in terms of what their future is going to look like. And uh, look, this is a team at one point last season that was the one seed. They looked like one of, if not maybe the best team in the in the West. Can they stay healthy? I I think what we're going to see from the Pelicans, they're going to say, let's keep things as they are. Let's see where the chips fall this season. See what's real and what's not. Are we are we kind of a one of the bottom-tier playoff teams, or are we potentially the top seed? Can we stay healthy, and then let's sort through things next summer?
2: Yeah, I agree. I think this is the let's just get everybody on the floor gear and let's yeah. figure it out from there.
1: Yep, I agree with that. All right, uh, Tyty Washington, one of the casualties from uh, from OKC winds up with the Milwaukee Bucks on a two-way contract. We knew somebody was going to pick him up. Are you surprised at all that the landing spot is Milwaukee?
2: No, only because their only real point guard on the roster right now is Drew Holiday. So they had to add somebody else. Um, there, there's not an open roster spot on the standard group uh, for Milwaukee. So they're in a spot where they were going to add somebody to the mix. So adding Ty Ty Washington, I think, is, is a well, – let's see. Yo, know, I mean, I, I always go back to, he was drafted in the first round for a reason. So, mm-hmm. you know, presumably you feel like he can play. We kind of go from there, but, but let, let's see, you know, what it comes out to. And if you're the box, if it doesn't work, you, you wave him, you move on and you move on to somebody else on a two way. So, mm-hmm. you know, but this, this is a good flyer kind of shot in the dark move from Milwaukee. And if a rough spot opens up and he proves worthy, you can always convert him down the line.
1: Yeah. Yep. Very true. All right. Uh we've got oh, the NBA is ready to take on uh TV services for games if Bally Sports falters. We know they're continuing to have issues there. It's a the number of teams that are still falling under Bally Sports. I know the Spurs are one of Do you have in front of you who the the other teams yeah, are? Um
2: who? so the Suns part of it seems like it's over. Um but right, right now the ones that are, that are that are known to be having issues um With everybody covered by Valley Sports, um, are having issues, but the ones that are like really at the forefront are Dallas, the LA Clippers, Cleveland Cavaliers, and San Antonio Spurs. Um, so I think, um, what you're gonna see here is, um, the NBA will likely say, All right, you can't fulfill your side of the contract. My guess is they would just pick this up, they would probably hire a lot of the people involved not mm-hmm. only the those who call the games and do the studio shows but probably the production folks as well um so the you know the camera folks the the, the PAs all the people doing the real work to get it on the air um, my guess is they'd probably hire them on a short term contract mm-hmm. at least in you know where they can and bring the, them in to to you know they get those games uh broadcast somehow it'd probably be at that point you gotta you know sign up for league pass or whatever the case may be or maybe they work out like the sun's a local option yeah uh, for for this season or something like that until so this is all resolved but this is this is all part of why the salary cap projection for next season is was very conservative at 4.4 percent um you know they, they they didn't want to bump it to full ten. A lot of people think this will resolve. They will bump the full ten, and off we'll go. But for now, the NBA is being conservative, and this is part of it.
1: Yeah, you got to be careful if you don't know. I mean, this is this is we are what in before regulars. We're like thirty seven games a, days away from preseason games. A little bit more until regular season. I mean, we're less than two months now. This yeah. is this is a nerve-wracking situation for them to figure out exactly what's going to happen because these teams have to be able to be seen. Um, yeah, I think we're
2: at like fifty-five days, yeah, or something. So that's roughly you know you know a month and a little bit more. Um, there was also a the NBA put out the full preseason schedule um, that, uh, today. Um, they tweeted that out from the official NBA account um, that has the whole uh, thing. So um, there, so that's just something to kind of keep, keep an mm-hmm. eye on with that.
1: All right. Uh, more NBA business. The NFL, the NBA, and the UFC, it's quite a trio, are working <laughs> to take down illegal streams quickly. Well, if it's quick takedown, you would have to think the UFC would be heavily involved in spearheading this situation. But um, but uh, illegal streams, taking these down, getting rid of them. What are your thoughts on, on this whole situation, Keith?
2: I mean, I I've get got, it.
1: Because I've got some things.
2: I get why they want to do this, right? Sure. It's uh, the article, I believe it was front office sports. uh says that the, the action that the three leagues are kind of working together, asking various government uh, entities to, to undertake, says that they're losing a, upwards of $28 billion a year uh, in this. So obviously, you know, with, with the NFL, um, NBA and UFC, there's, You know, everybody knows, you know, uh, we see him in our mentions probably all the time of anybody get a stream, anybody get away, I can find Mm -hmm. the game and those kind of things Um, with that. And they don't want that. I mean, the NFL has Sunday ticket, which is now on YouTube. The NBA has league pass, which I think is available. You know, about 90 different ways including from the NBA itself if you want the streaming only option uh, through them and then UFC I believe is almost all pay-per-view mm-hmm. um, I, they, they, I think they do have something that's like broadcast on ESPN and the like but I think a lot of it is pay-per-view for them so yeah so they don't want to lose that and it's it's hard because the ones I don't like are you know, I so I'm going to use a football example because I know this to be true. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a point in time where as an Orlando resident, I get stuck every single Sunday with the Jaguars games. And it was like, I don't want to watch the Jaguars. So I had Sunday ticket back when it was a DirecTV product. And then I could watch whatever games I wanted. But I was stuck with Jaguars games. And I was like, this sucks. This is not the game I want to watch. I also know people who they only stream and they don't have a way to get Orlando magic games and they live you know five minutes from me and they can't ever see magic games or yeah. anybody who's playing the magic so even a couple of them are fans of other teams and they're like yeah I have to miss those games whenever they're playing the magic because I have no way to watch them or I gotta go out to like a sports bar or whatever and to be fair and frank and honest the magic aren't prime viewing even here in Orlando Mm -hmm. for a lot of sports bars and the like. So that becomes a little bit of a challenge there. And I know some of them have been like, yeah, so I started, you know, finding a stream that did that. Now, to be fair, I had a friend who found one of those streams. And then like two days later, it was like, uh, Hey, call from his credit card company saying, uh, what did you buy? Because this is going bananas with charges and all this other stuff. Mm. So, so you know, when they're shady illegal streams, you got to be careful. But yeah, man, I get it. I mean, people just want to watch their games.
1: Yeah, that's just it. So here's, here's the thing. I think these leagues, they could completely eliminate the illegal streams if they wanted to. If they wanted to. And the only thing, what they have to do is put together an accessible product that will allow people to watch that isn't going to cost a fortune, right? And it's not just a cost thing. Some of it, like you said, the blackouts, I know people in Memphis who, if it's a Titans game, it's blacked out. If it's a Saints game, it's also blacked out. If it's a Falcons game, that's also blacked out. And it's kind of hit and miss, right? It's, um, that is a frustrating issue as you're, you're describing there too. Like even if you do what the, what the that particular league wants you to do and you have, Cable television service, you still can't see the game yeah. that you want to watch. So, what are people left to do if they really want to watch the game? It's to go to an illegal stream somewhere because that's the only option that that you've got. Um, it, with with the situations like Bali, you know, not many cable providers have Bali. So, if you yeah. are if you have a uh, if your team is only on Bali, you can live right next to where your team plays, and it doesn't matter. You still can't watch your team right? There needs to be an accessible way to watch teams. And again, I I think that if there was, like you said, there's issues with these illegal streams. If there was something that was stable, if there was something that was user-friendly, something that doesn't cost a fortune, people would be willing to pay something for this. Now, would there be some who would say, well, no, I'm still going to watch an illegal stream and I want to pay nothing? Sure. That, That would still exist to a degree, but... For the most part if it was relatively cost-effective and if it was something stable and it was something that didn't involve these ridiculous blackouts and and all this sort of stuff people would be willing to do that in order to to get that service i firmly believe that people would pay money to see these games the problem is they're not accessible and that's why illegal streams have filled that void so we're looking at we're going to take down illegal streams quickly well that's all well, well and good uh, I mean, it's inherited the name. They are illegal. So I understand it, but, but I don't think that's really addressing what the root of the problem is here.
2: Yeah. I'm with you. And, and I know, yo, know, it's funny. People ask me all the time, you know, why, why do you still have direct TV? And for me, a big reason, a big reason was at Sunday ticket. Um, but another big reason was I have rarely had beyond every year. It's always an issue. At the start of the preseason, they whether they're gonna have the games or not, yeah, through the uh, league pass and all that stuff. But generally that sorts itself out within a day or so. But once the NBA regular season starts, I've never had an issue unless it's every once in a while, it'll they'll they'll mix up what game is on a channel, and like yeah. you might get you know the the you know Nuggets Clippers game twice, where you should have gotten you know. Nuggets, Clippers and, you know, jazz box. And it's like, you know, but usually that resolves itself fairly quickly too. But I don't have any of the issues as far as it pausing and breaking down and not being watchable and all this other stuff. And that's a big reason why I've stuck with it because, you know, as well as I do like clockwork night two of the NBA season, because night one, the games are on TNT, Mm -hmm. But night two of the NBA season, a whole bunch of people are going to be all over social media complaining about how, you know, this league pass product is junk. You know, my game keeps freezing or I can't even get it to load or whatever mm-hmm. it is. And, you know, and all that stuff. And it, it happens every single year, you know, with this stuff. And that's where, you know, for me, it's kind of like i have always just kind of stuck with with what I have because it works. But I also get the fact that you're paying a good amount of money. For these different products I mean, I don't have Sunday ticket Because I'm not going over to YouTube TV For the 400 bucks or whatever that it costs Because I'm not home a lot On the weekends anymore We're always out sure. and about now doing stuff So I don't get to sit down I, I rarely have a Sunday anymore Where I can sit down for 12 straight hours And watch football the way I used to be able to So just, you know, things have changed So we're kind of letting that go But like, I get that people are spending A ton of money for that one these pay-per-views are super expensive. Yep. League passes, I feel like League it, Pass... It, it came down it this last as, year a lot. Yeah. If it works the way it's supposed to, super affordable mm-hmm. for what you get with it. If it works the way it's supposed to, but that's the problem. You're paying all this money for something that's hit or miss on the way it works, and then that's why people are like, ah, forget it. I'd just rather go find it another way. But And,
1: and I've had good luck with, with League Pass in general, with it, with it working, but... But you still have the blackout problem. Yeah. You still run into that.
2: And in the blackout problem, it, it, it just feels like an antiquated thing. Yeah. Where the whole reason for blackouts was really the idea was, hey, we're not going to let you watch in your home market without paying some way. You're either going to pay the cable fee or whatever it is or go pay for a ticket to go watch the game. And, and you know the NFL. I think they've changed a lot of it, but used to have their sellout rules, right? Where hey, if this game doesn't sell out, it'll be blacked out in the local market because the idea was we want people in the seats, right? Go buy a ticket if you really want to see see the game. But the problem is, these things are like, how do I put this? It's like like you were saying, you can be sitting in you know Memphis. And Saints games are blocked out and Titans games are blocked out. And it's like, like for a long time here in Orlando, Braves games. And it's like, right? yeah, on a Tuesday night, I'm not just jumping in the car and driving eight hours to Atlanta exactly. to catch a game just because, you know, and, and they started fixing a lot of that stuff and getting into a lot of it. But yeah, I mean, these are complicated things. And these are things, to your point, I think the leagues, and I think this is where we're trending. And I think the NBA new rights deal is going to be a big part of, kind of giving us a sense of where this is going because I think you're also going to start to see a lot more a la carte, you know, purchasing options where if if I'm a Lakers fan that lives in, you know, Missouri and all I, you know, Hey, I like the NBA, but I'm good with whatever I get on TNT and ABC and all that. But I really want to see every Lakers game. I can buy the Lakers package Yep, and just get all the Lakers games. It can go that way. And, And I think that's where we may be headed, you know, with this sort of stuff. I know, uh, baseball does that through theirs, which, mm-hmm. by the way, is amazing. They do a
1: fantastic product.
2: job. It works so well. Mm-hmm. I've never had any issue with it. I've watched it in my car. Like I've watched it, you know, a ton of different places. I've the watched
1: stats baseball. and everything on there are great. Yeah. It, it's yeah, a it's, it's a fantastic product. Really
2: well done. I think that could be where we go as we see, you know, some of these a la carte type packages and that. But but we'll we'll find all that out here in the next you know year plus as all that stuff gets negotiated.
1: Yeah, and I think that you can actually, you know, obviously if it's the Lakers most get like if it's Lakers Warriors, okay, that's gonna be on national TV, right? We know that's that's gonna happen, but Let's say you happen to be an Oklahoma City Thunder fan and you really want to see Lakers Thunder or something like that. Being able to buy just that game should be an option. But I also look at what the MLS just did, right, with their Apple deal. Yep. Every game, there's no – blackouts do not exist. Every single game, you buy the MLS package and you get to watch every game and they provide highlights and all that kind of stuff. It's all there for you. You buy this and you don't have to miss any games ever that's so much simpler okay. than than all of this what channel is it on nonsense and i think this is i don't know how long it's going to take to get there because the cable model is still there and it's you know obviously yeah. it's hanging on it's well, sports and TNT, are a big part of that exactly guys, they,
2: they spend a lot of money for you know for for the right to make sure on thursday nights you're turning on tnt so yeah that's going to take a little while but i'm with you i think we're going to get there eventually
1: Um, But we'll see what happens here if they are able to eliminate these illegal streams. But again, I think personally, I I think just eliminating the streams is not eliminating the problem. There is still going to be a need. There's still going to be a demand for a way to watch these games. And that void is just going to be filled by something else. I'd rather see these leagues fill that void themselves.
2: Yeah, I'm completely with you uh, on that one. You know what we didn't talk about? Hmm. I just realized P.J. Washington oh yes it happened a few days ago so but yeah we haven't talked about that so we should probably end on that
1: one yep uh,
2: i think so yeah pj washington uh uh, headed back to the hornets three-year 48 million dollar deal we talked about it recently and i think i said like unless it's like three years 45 million i'm the hornets i'm not going there and uh by all accounts it's there's some incentives involved in Mm -hmm. there there's also some uh uh, the contract declines year over year for PJ Washington too. So, uh, you know, pr- pretty good deal for the Hornets, I think. Fair deal for him. And it's easy to say he wanted $20 million, He should have just signed the qualifying offer and bet on himself. But there's just so much that can go wrong with that.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, look at Sean Livingston's knee as a great example, right? I mean, yep. you just never know. And when you have that kind of money sitting in front of you, man, you got you to gotta take it.
2: Or like look at Greg Monroe. Uh, sure signed the qualifying offer and then just never really turned into anything more than what he was. Uh, Rodney Hood signed his qualifying offer back in the day and then just kind of never really became. And then he had some injuries on top of that. So uh, yeah, P.J. Washington, you know, three years, 48 million in total. I think it's perfectly fair value for him. Uh, I think the Hornets did well on this. And, you know, now now it's at least a little bit of surety, um, you know, going into this season where it is, that that's it's still a crowded front court and it's going to take a little Mm -hmm. while my guess i guess i've been doing a lot of stuff where i'm looking at the rosters and trying to figure out all right you know who's going to start what are the rotations maybe going to be and all that starting to feel like maybe terry rogier kind of goes back into that super sub role um coming off the bench because i gotta imagine when he's back from suspension or within a week or two after he's fully up to speed Mm -hmm. miles bridges gets back into that starting group yeah, Brandon Miller. You have Washington. You have Gordon Hayward. Something's got to give. You know, somebody's got to go to the bench here on this group. You know, at some point. So, and maybe by that point, an injury—probably Gordon Hayward. Just with the way his career has gone, we'll take somebody out of the mix and we'll figure it out. But, but that—that's a—that's a crowded forward uh, wing group there in uh, Charlotte.
1: It absolutely is. But I mean, if you want to have, if you if you can have too much depth at a position the wing is probably the place to have it. So uh, in today's NBA anyway, but uh, I think it's a good deal. I agree. I think it's a good deal for PGA Washington, a good deal for the Hornets made sense right when the contract came out. I went, yep, that, that makes a lot of sense on, on both sides for them to compromise and wind up right there. So good deal for both sides there. Uh, Keith, I think that about does it for today. We covered a lot of topics, but uh, we're back tomorrow with more NBA news, Uh, buddy. Glad that you, uh, you stayed safe during the during the hurricane, and now we'll see uh, how much damage Hurricane Harden does next time we get to that topic.
2: Yeah, that's a much more fun hurricane to prepare yeah. for and talk about.
1: Yep, for sure, for sure. All right, everybody, make sure you do subscribe to the NBA Front Office channel on YouTube, and of course, follow us over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Till next time, everybody. See ya, and stay safe.